It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes and multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. That is option number one. Option number two, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we are clearly transitioning to off-season mode now that the Super Bowl is in the books and the 2021 season is over. So we thought today we'd go over big-picture perspective, scheduled free agents for the Giants, positions that they may need to tackle as a result of free agency, and certainly get into some off-season priorities with, remember, free agency coming before the draft starts. So, Paul, I think that is obviously a topic that we'll look to tackle over the course of the next 60 minutes, but this is also a relatively quiet time in general for the National Football League as everybody slowly makes the transition to the off-season. But remember, as much as we've talked about the draft and we're going to have the combine coming up, we got to get through free agency first before we even start to speculate about what teams are going to do in the draft. Yeah, you know, Lance, it's funny because there's been so much talk about the Giants having two top 10 picks for the first time in franchise history that I think in a lot of ways people have overshadowed the free agency situation. Now, I get that because it is exciting to have picks five and seven, and it's also an understanding that the Giants probably will not have a lot of cap room. So the anticipation is that they may, and I mean may, have one kind of mediocre to big free agent signing somewhere in their pockets, but probably not much more than that. It's going to have to be a lot of bargain basement guys. So maybe that's one of the reasons why it doesn't seem like there's a lot of talk about free agency in these parts. Well, I'm completely with you, but there could be some individuals that Joe Shane and Brian Dable think fit into that umbrella that you were talking about, Paul, where maybe they're not going to all of a sudden have to break open the piggy bank if they want to bring back some of the players that are scheduled to be free agents. So according to the major websites that at least list the free agents for the Giants, it looks like they're looking at about 20 guys that are scheduled to hit free agency, Paul. And Mm -hmm. in terms of the position, You could say that the defensive line and the offensive line, volume-wise, probably have the majority of the players. But then if you combine safety and corner, you probably match what you're talking about on the defensive line as well as on the offensive line. I think if we're going to hone in on first the notable players, and then we could really tackle by position. I think name-wise... Lorenzo Carter, I would put up there. And if you disagree or you think somebody else belongs under this label, Paul, feel free to throw out. I just want to throw out a few names first. Now, this list is what, Lance, you're talking about? Guys who are free? Scheduled free agents. You're not talking about guys who you may want to bring back? No, I'm just talking about names, meaning guys that may have potential, contributed previously, have that name notoriety is what I'm labeling it at. That's all I'm putting them under. Mm -hmm. So Lorenzo Carter would be the first guy that I think is worth highlighting, that you'd at least consider. Jabril Peppers, I would say, is also on that list in terms of defensive personnel. And then Austin Johnson would be my third guy, given his production this past season. And then to round out the four, 
I'll go on the offensive side of the ball, and I'll throw in Evan Ingram out there just because there's always intrigue surrounding his name because of the injuries and whether or not this could finally be a breakout year. But those, to me, those are the four guys that I think are of note that are scheduled to hit free agency that were actually on the roster last season. Yeah, I would agree with you. With The ex- the only possible exception that I could see adding to that list, and I've mentioned it before, and I know some fans have gotten very angry about it, but I could see Billy Price coming back on a minimum deal, economically friendly, to at least compete for a roster spot over the course of camp. I mean, I'd have no problem with him if he comes in at a very low number, uh, helping out with the depth at center, because right now, you just don't know what the Giants have at center. You just don't. I mean, that's just the way it is. We, w- There's no way to anticipate exactly what they're going to get out of free agency or the draft. And Billy Price is a guy who at least you know, hey, he can be a solid NFL backup center in this league. Now, whether or not you want to make him a starter, that's debatable. He certainly did not have a great year. But, but to say that he can make a 53, I don't think that's a stretch. No, not at all. And we've seen teams do this before, as you just were hitting on, the fact that you want to upgrade your offensive line. Sometimes you bring back a guy that started the previous year and you have him provide depth. I've seen it tons of times where you look at even Kansas City, actually, is a great example. The Chiefs, because we've had a few callers over this past season refer to, well, look at what Kansas City did. And they did a combination of drafting players, free agency, trades, a little bit of everything. And there were some guys that had started the previous year but then became backups because they brought in other options on the offensive line. So he's certainly an option. I mean, the guy was a former first-round pick. It's not crazy to consider bringing him back if you need somebody that could play Paul both guard and center. It's not as if you're going to get away with just saying, hey, here's our five starters, and we're going to keep our fingers crossed and hope that they all play 17 games. I mean, that's just not a practical philosophy. So I'd have no problem if the Giants would consider him as perhaps a backup option for next season. Yeah, I would would tend to believe that Again, economically friendly. I'd like to stress that because you can't afford to be spending too much money on a guy who you think may wind up being a backup. But I would think that that there's a legitimate reason there. He's certainly a very smart and cerebral player. So I could see that. I I don't necessarily put Will Hernandez in the same category. I think Price probably holds a little more promise and value to the Giants to bring back than Will does. Well, because also I think with Will Hernandez, given the ups and downs over the last two seasons, the Giants probably could bring in somebody via the draft in a later round if they want to add depth or maybe another veteran free agent. I mean, Billy Price, you're talking about, as I mentioned, they form a first-round pick. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit more value intriguing bringing somebody back like that. Not to say that Will Hernandez was a late-round pick, but... He may be one of those guys that the Giants perhaps are ready to move in a different direction given the fact that he's had some ups and downs over the last few seasons. So I wouldn't put him on the same wavelength as Billy Price. In terms of some of the other names, though, that I threw out, and clearly there's more emphasis on the defensive side of the ball than there is on the offensive side of the ball, but I don't think the Giants would have to go crazy financially speaking if they wanted to retain a Lorenzo Carter or an Austin Johnson, let's say. I hope Paul, not. It's possible Jabril Peppers, I mean, it's possible other teams may have some interest in him, so I could see him costing more than those other two, but Carter and Johnson, I think, would be within striking distance if you wanted to retain both of those guys. Yeah, I don't think you're going to chase either one of those guys up sure. the economic ladder. I, I just don't see that, but I would agree with you 
that I think Austin Johnson had a productive season, and I don't care what the analytics numbers say for some of these folks who like to believe in those grades. I watched Austin Johnson on a, on a weekly basis. I saw him play by play by play. The eye test says that Austin Johnson is a productive rotational defensive tackle in this league. Now, do you want him to play 65 snaps a game? No, you don't. But but can he produce given an interior line rotation? There's no reason why you couldn't, but you have to pay him appropriately. Now, as far as Lorenzo Carter, you know, the issue with him, besides the fact that, again, you have to look at his injury history, which has to bring his price down on the free agent market. If anybody elsewhere is going to make a bid for him, they're going to have to consider how many games he's missed. And so that will probably keep his price in line, first and foremost. Then you have to say, okay, how has he been used? And I've often said, I truly believe his best position in this league is as a strong side 4-3 linebacker. I've always believed that. But the Giants have not played that style since he's gotten here. And I think that's part of the reason why he's never been able to bust out and excel. You remember Devon Kennard. Sure. Was in he was with the Giants, didn't didn't fit in the system that they were playing. Wound up going to Detroit, different system, and it fit his his skills better, and his started to produce. I mean, if the Giants are going to play the kind of system that will fit Lorenzo Carter, well, you don't scrap your system for one player, obviously, unless it's Lawrence Taylor. Okay, so. If Wink says, Wink Martindale, the new defensive coordinator, says, you know what, Um, I don't think I can use him at his best, then you're better off probably just moving on. Absolutely. I don't think that's even a question at this point, and that's actually another element that we should bring up because we're operating under what we've seen these guys do in Patrick Graham's defense. Martindale comes in, his evaluation of some of these guys, it's not that they're not good players, it's just he may not think that they're an ideal fit for what he wants to do. So we don't know how he values Austin Johnson and Lorenzo Carter. Now I would argue, I think regardless of what scheme or system you're running, if you want to bring those guys back as rotational type of players, assuming they don't cost you much, which I don't think they would, I think there's value in having them on the roster because Carter, I think he showed enough, Paul, late in the season from a production standpoint that showed us when healthy, he can be a consistent guy. So there's that consideration of, well, if he could have a strong offseason, if he could prove durable to have him back in as a rotational guy, I think, once again, there's value there. But Martindale has to then come to Brian Dable and Joe Shane and say, hey, this is my vision for a guy like Lorenzo Carter. This is where I want to place him. And this is where I think we can maximize his skill set. If Marnendale's not ultra excited about a guy like that, then no, I would probably cancel out my intrigue just because he showed some flashes late in the season. And with respect to Austin Johnson, I do think there's probably other guys in the free agent market or in the draft that you could probably find that you could utilize that role of a rotational defensive lineman. So I don't know if it's a make or break type of player, but Carter is still young enough that I think that there's gas in the tank that if he does fit into the system, I would heavily consider bringing him back. Yeah, I, I don't know that Johnson's any more than a year older than Carter, if at all, though. Aren't well, they I just the look same at him. He's group? been on the field a little bit longer. I, don't, I just consider Austin Johnson somebody who's a little bit more polished than Lorenzo Carter. I, I, got, I got two other questions for you, and we need to ponder And by this. the way, I don't mean to interrupt Paul. He's been in the league since 2016, Austin Johnson. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's Carter been a while. came in at 18. He's got two years on him. 
I, I, again, I don't know what their birthdays are. I haven't looked at that. But I, they're roughly in the same age bracket. I don't think either one of them is considered over the hill. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, not at all. I, I would never consider <laughs> but, that. No. But here, yeah. here, here's a really good one to ponder now. And until we get a chance to find out what Wink Martindale has in store, okay, is O'Shane Zimenez a total washout? Or does Wink Martindale find a way to tap in to what the Giants thought they saw in him when they drafted him a few years ago? Or is he just somebody you give up on and you say, nope, that's it. He didn't really have any production while he was here. It's it's not worth bringing him around again. Now, he's not a free agent. He's still under contract. Yep. So, so he's in a different category. But when we're talking about the linebackers, you do have to figure out is that a guy who Martindale thinks he may be able to use? And quite honestly, Jalen Smith is in the same category. Jalen Smith got here very late last year, got some reps, showed some flashes, had some production in limited time. But we all know that because Dallas and Green Bay saw some significant deficiencies in his game at this point in his career, that they both decided to move on from him. So now what does Wink Martindale see in that tape? that says to him, I think Jalen Smith should stay here, and this is how I'd like to use him too. Because when you're talking about the linebacker equation, you know, you have guys even like Carter Coughlin, uh, Cam Brown, you know, Ellison Smith. There's a bunch of linebackers here. The Giants have quantity. The question is how much quality is there based on what Martindale has in store for these guys. Well, and also you have some of these guys coming off of injury, too. Uh, Carter Coughlin, sure. for example, is somebody. Now, he has a question mark entering this offseason because he was banged up during the course of this season. So all of these guys, I'm with you. There's absolutely volume and there's youth, which I would add on to the mm-hmm. volume, meaning it's guys that are just scratching their Without potential. A doubt. Without right? a we doubt. don't know what we have out of them. And I want to further clarify my comparison between Lorenzo Carter and Austin Johnson now that we're on a similar topic, Paul. It's more of, I think at this point, we know who Austin Johnson is. I don't know if I know who Lorenzo Carter is at this point. I don't think he's necessarily a finished product. That's why I think there's more intrigue connected to his name. And yeah. that's why I was sort of highlighting the fact okay. that even though, yes, Johnson only has two more years on him, I just I think you, you truly have a good grasp of who Austin Johnson is. I agree with that. I, I do. I think we've seen Austin Johnson as to what he is in the NFL. And, and I believe because of the injuries and also because of the scheme. I don't know that uh, that we've seen all of Lorenzo Carter yet. But again, is Martindale the guy who is going to take Carter to the next level? I, without knowing what Wink Martindale is thinking, I can't answer that, and therefore I don't know what the Giants' plans are for him. I think my gut feeling would be I'd love to see Lorenzo Carter get another chance here. But again, it's going to have to come at an economically friendly contract because he he just hasn't proven enough consistently, either health-wise or production-wise, that it's going to draw big numbers. And I think the option of bringing him back where it doesn't kill you salary cap-wise is feasible because of the question marks that you just mentioned. Now, I will say this. You were bringing up O'Shane Zimenez and Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown. I don't know, Paul, because there are question marks connected to all of those players, whether it be health or the lack of production or just not enough of a sample size. I don't know if my outlook of those guys would impact 
whether or not I'd want to bring back Lorenzo Carter. What I'm getting at is I think since there's question mark connected to those guys, even though they're all on rookie contracts, I don't think it hurts with the philosophy of adopting the more the merrier, meaning it's better to give Martindale options to evaluate during the spring and camp so that if somebody doesn't get back to full health, if somebody else maybe on paper he looked like he was a good fit and then you get to the preseason and you're like, eh, I don't know about this, it's better than to me to consider bringing back another young guy who may have a little bit more upside. Well, I specifically believe what you just said applies to the inside linebacker spot. Because you know that Jay Crowder is is signed, and he's inexpensive, and he's done some things in this league. So Tate Crowder is somebody you'd want to bring back. But you've got Blake Martinez coming off a very serious knee injury, okay? So I think, all right, in my own head, Reggie Ragland, I can move on from. I don't have a problem with that. But I would think that enhances the value of Jalen Smith because he's an inside linebacker who, in my mind— at least he finished the season healthy. I'm I'm intrigued by him. I really am. And, you know, at best, maybe he wins a rotational job. At worst, maybe he's only a backup. And a lot will depend on, I think, also who is appealing to them that is unrelated to the Giants, too. I mean, right now we're not talking about other potential inside-outside linebackers. That could very well change the conversation. Or maybe Martindale, like somebody who came over from Baltimore, and he wants to now all of a sudden bring him into the fold with the Giants, too. That's the other added element as part of the equation. Let's move to Peppers, who we brought up, because Peppers now is a little bit more money that you have to weigh, Paul, compared to some of these other players that we're talking about. But at the same time, you look at the current Giants roster, and you say to yourself, well, you've got McKinney, who clearly you want to continue to give opportunities to flourish. Then again, you do have a new defensive coordinator, but still young enough, still a lot of upside that you want to give him more playing time. Because even, I'll go back to, if you remember, McKinney earlier this season, he was even pointing out the fact that he wasn't on the field as much as he had anticipated because they were still obviously going with the veterans. Then Peppers gets hurt, and all of a sudden, McKinney has a lot more opportunity. So this is now year three, Technically, maybe it's still year two, two and a half because of the bulk of time that he missed the first season, but it's year three in terms of service in the National Football League, in terms of being present on an NFL roster. This could be a significant breakout campaign fully for McKinney, even more so than what we saw with the five interceptions this year. So I think you feel good about him, even with him being now thrown in to a new defensive scheme. You still have Logan Ryan in the mix. Okay, who has the versatility, and then Julian Love. So I guess what I'm getting at, Paul, is if it becomes a financial, motivational decision, I don't know if you feel as if we've got to bring back Peppers because we don't love the options that we already have internally. Well, sometimes with a young player who you have a lot of hope for, you allow a veteran to walk away if for no other reason that it clears out those snaps. Because you need to get that young developing player onto the field. And if the Giants believe, and again, what does Wink Martindale think? We don't know. The guy just got here on Monday. What does he think about Love and Ryan and McKinney as his starting three safeties, if you will, considering that the third safety does play a lot? If he thinks that that starting threesome is something he's very, very happy with, and I suspect that he would, well, then 
Jabril Peppers is really a luxury. At the same time, people will tell you, because of Jabril Peppers' ability to play that money backer position, which is the pseudo linebacker spot on the on the outside in the sub package, well, that's a very valuable trait, especially for a defense that uses a lot of speed and likes to pressure the quarterback an awful lot. So, you know, I could see where Martindale may feel inclined that perhaps I might want to see that guy return, but that may also strictly come down to a money deal. Yeah, and that's why I put him in a separate category. I think the other thing, Paul, that you have to take into consideration with Peppers, just like we're talking about a Lorenzo Carter, two of the last three seasons he's played 11 games or less. And we're talking about significant injuries that cost him the remainder of the year. Mm -hmm. you got to at least ask yourself, durability-wise, does it meet the financial resources that we'd have to invest in the player? Meaning the old story is, right, you want to get the most bang for your buck. Well, even if you bring in Peppers, and I agree with you, I think he has value in a Martindale defense, but if you're not going to get the bang for the buck at the end of the day and you know you have guys like McKinney and Love on the roster— I think it makes sense to just give the younger guys an opportunity to flourish as opposed to just bank and hope that he's going to be fully healthy this season. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. And again, a bigger factor to weigh here is how much money do the Giants have in free agency and what do they have to devote to other positions, whether it be offensive line or maybe it's tight end. I mean, they know. They know for a fact that they've got a bunch of holes to fill, and they, they really would love to see the draft picks fill a bunch of them. But they are going to need to use some resources, and I'm saying cash, okay, as resources to filter around to a few other spots. And that just may probably in all likelihood, I mean, I, I don't want to say definitively because, again, we don't know what Shane and Martindale and Dayball are thinking. We just don't, and it's foolish for anybody to just think that they do because they're brand new here. But it just seems to me that financially, whatever dollars the Giants have in their pockets, I probably don't see them throwing them to Jabril Peppers. That's just the way I, I think it's going to go. But you never can tell. I, 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 this is one of those times, Lance, where you really have to say never say never because it's a new administration. And whenever it's new voices and a new perspective, sometimes it could be the complete opposite of how the previous regime looked at it, or it could be a similar sentiment. That's why there's a little bit of mystery that is connected to this free agency class because it's just at this point, you just don't know enough well, in terms of how they view these players. Let me give you a great example. I know people are on the phone, so we want to get to those calls. Let me give you a great example, right? James Betcher was a huge Marcus Golden guy, right? Well, he had a previous connection to him in Arizona. No, no doubt about yeah. it. So he brings him in, he rehabs, gets over that, that, that horrible uh, injury that he had, and puts up double-digit sacks for the Giants. Well, then Patrick Graham comes in, and in his system, he's saying to himself, this guy really doesn't fit so much. And we're all thinking, after Golden had like 70 tackles and, and double-digit sacks, he's going to be one of the pieces they're going to stick with. They're going to use him as a building block. He's still young enough. But it doesn't work with the new defensive coordinator. The new defensive coordinator says, you know what? He doesn't have enough coverage skills, versatility skills, speed and space kind of talent to fit what I need him to do. He's strictly a straight-ahead pass rusher or a down-the-line run stopper who gets a lot of his sacks 
when he's going up against an opposing tight end blocking him. He's never going to beat a double team, and he's going to have trouble beating tackles in one-on-one. And based on my schematics, those kinds of things make him less valuable to me. So what do the Giants do? They retain his rights, smart move by Dave Gettleman, and then they wind up trading him and getting something for him from the Cardinals. And Golden goes back there and then starts compiling sacks again and has a really good season for Arizona. There's a great example of how you cannot book something in the future based on what you've seen in the past when new people come into power. Well, because it goes back to usage of that player within a scheme. And clearly, he had 11 sacks this past season. So, Golden is back to his old statistics in terms of how Arizona is utilizing him compared to what the Giants were doing with him. All right, let's open up the phone lines. But before we do that, a reminder that you can secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats are available. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member. You can call 888-NYG-1925. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Shakes is at Baltimore joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Shakes? What's going on, fellas, man? I ain't hear from y'all since the pandemic. <laughs> Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, it has been quite some time. So Welcome. what do you got for us? Yeah, man. Hey, man. How's y'all family? Everything is good. I'm glad to hear from y'all. Yeah, well, you too. I hope I hope all's well on your side. And please don't be a stranger now that we're kind of clearing ourselves out of this damn thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hopefully going to be calling in more. But uh, I love the conversation that y'all talking about. And I got, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a few things here. So um, with Jabril Peppers, I, I think that he's so great for the community. And not just, you know, that's just the only reason, but he's so great for the community and the organization, I believe, really li- likes him. I think he will be here next year. But the only thing is, is that I think we will wait until about August around that time or camp time to bring him in because of the health concerns. And I don't think teams are really going to lobby for him because he, you know, the health concerns right now. So I think that we'll bring him in around that time. And I think that's perfect. Shakes, I warn you of one thing, though. I warn you of one thing. There are a lot of, of teams now who are employing more and more of that money backer concept. In today's game, which is so offensive-oriented with speed and passing attacks, that money backer is becoming kind of like a norm. So there will be teams who could employ him. And to be honest with you, as you say, he is a really good locker room guy, has tremendous energy, brings leadership and intangibles. I could see a team who has a winning record, and I I haven't gone through all the rosters to figure it out, but I could see a team that has a winning record saying, you know what, he could be one of those few missing pieces that we need to get over the top. And all it takes is one, and then they open up their wallet, and if you're Jabril Peppers, why wouldn't you jump at it? Yeah, especially since teams, to Paul's point, they're employing the extra defensive back, and Peppers is a guy you could put in the slot too because teams have utilized him that way. I find it very hard to believe, Shakes, that he'd still be on the market in August. And remember, it, it may be know. that the Giants are interested in him, but you know he may want to solidify his contract well before August. You know, Peppers seems like a guy that still wants to play. Obviously, is still young. Normally, guys that wait around till August are you know players that are eight nine years into their career. They don't want to go through camp. They're just having. Chats on the side, and they're like, all right, listen, if you want to bring me in right before the season ends, I'm good. I don't think Peppers applies I don't to that. Think, 
I don't think it's on him. I, I really think it's the teams that's not going to be able to see him physically. Because, you know, you have to see these players physically. If sure. he can't perform physically injury-wise, then they're not going to touch him. And that's why I think he will be there. But, you know, we'll see. Um, I think Martindale uh, will bring in the best players to fit the way they play. Like, for Peppers, I think, like, the money back, the the um, the pseudo-linebacker, I think that that's, a, that's a perfect for him, and that's how Martindale will use him. The same as I feel like he will use um, Love in the slot. I don't believe that he will be a safety I don't. I, I don't think he should be, and I don't believe he will be. And also, well, before you um, go anywhere, Shakes, I, so you don't you don't see Holmes as competing for that slot spot ahead of Love. Oh yeah, yeah, Holmes and A Rod. Um, okay. I think they both all all of them will be in the slot, and I think they will be the slot guys. But um, also, Jalen Smith. I think we need to keep him as well because uh, Blake Martinez is our downhill linebacker. I believe that. Uh, he is the lateral in Smith. He's the lateral guy. So I think they fit. I think that's a good relationship there. You know, hopefully Blake Martinez can come back healthy 100%. But I think that's a fit. It's a it's a match made in heaven. Now, one more um, couple things. Dexter Lawrence, I believe, should be the nose tackle. I think that's where it's uh, messed up. Now, Austin Johnson is great. He's great for the rotation. But I believe that um, Dexter Lawrence should be in a nose tackle instead of that end. Um, I think that's where he's starting to – we're not starting to struggle, but we're not getting the production that we wanted from Dexter Lawrence, and I think we will get it if we throw him in a nose tackle. Well, even if he he moves inside, Shakes, I don't know if Dexter Lawrence is a a a 50-snap-a-game guy, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, because of, of of the size that he is, I mean, he he's even though he's a starter and he plays more plays than than a lot of the other guys, I don't think he's a full time player. I still think he's a guy who's going to need to take a couple of dozen snaps off every every game. You know, because he's he's not regarded as a guy who is playing eighty five percent of the snaps. That's just not him. He's not Leonard Williams. You know what I mean? So, so you know, there's nothing wrong with having having him in there, and 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 then using him a little more situationally if you're going to do it that way. In fact, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you? And this is one of the things you could do. Wink may want to do this. Maybe he plays Dexter Lawrence outside some in certain situations and plays him inside some in certain situations. Maybe the Giants use some four man fronts, four man lines. They may do yeah, some four three. I think so, but um, you know when you talk about nose tackles, I think they really, in my opinion, should be like two down uh, players anyway. First, second mm-hmm. down, then third down. Like snacks was, you know, pass record. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, right. My last thing, and I'm a, I'm gonna take it away, but I'm definitely gonna be back, and I'm so happy to uh, call back in, man. This was awesome. Um, my last thing is we need a franchise quarterback, and. My, I'm lobbying to go after Russell Wilson. I don't care how you get it done. I don't care, but get it done. But if you can't get it done, then my backup plan is to go ahead and draft one. But I'm not drafting one with seven or four. With the seventh pick, I'm trading back at number 10, getting up a, another second or third round pick. I'm going to take 
Kenny Pickett at quarterback at 10, and then I'm getting my offensive lineman in the second round with my two second-round picks. That's how you fix the New York football Giants. Thank you all for taking my call. Love you all, man. All right, Shakes. Well, just a few things just to add to what Shakes had to say is, I mean, then you're assuming that you know for a fact that Pickett is a franchise guy, and I don't know necessarily if there's a consensus feeling across the NFL, so there's still a roll of the dice, even if you do that, right, Paul? You do that hypothetical Mm -hmm. where you move back, and to his point, you grab Pickett. A, you need a team that wants to take your seventh pick, and we talked about in a year where there's not maybe ultra-aggressiveness to go up and grab a quarterback You may want to move back, but that doesn't mean that the opportunity is going to present yourself. But once again, even if you do get that situation to play out, you're still rolling the dice in assuming that Pickett is a franchise guy, and you don't know that. The Mm -hmm. draft is always the land of the unknown, regardless of the hype surrounding a young quarterback. So I don't know necessarily if that puts you in any better position than Daniel Jones in solidifying the quarterback position. That's number one. And then the same thing with the Russell Wilson situation. We could take call after call. They could call up and say, I want Russell Wilson. I want Aaron Rodgers. I want this guy. Who's to say that those teams want to part ways with those guys? Who's to say that Seattle wants to give away Russell Wilson? And I understand the speculation this and that, but Russell Wilson's under contract right now with the Seahawks. They don't have to do anything. They can hold on to the quarterback and continue to get ready for the 2022 season. They don't have to give him away at all. If we're talking about a free agent's on the market, it's a little bit different. Then you don't have to worry about that. If you want to go after the quarterback, hey, more power to you. But there's no one that's on the market this year, veteran-wise, that is Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. That's just not going to happen. That's fairy tale land. It's a pipe dream. All right, just to add to the quarterback conversation, first of all, both Shane and Dable have been very open, honest, frank, and forthright, as has John Mara. They're giving Daniel Jones an opportunity with a clean slate to try to build around him and Barkley this year. They've said that. Until they prove otherwise by making a move with one of those players, You have to believe that those guys are starting week one opening day for the Giants in 2022. Let's make that very clear. This organization, top to bottom, whether it's the head coach, ownership, or the general manager, they have all been on the same page and said, we are building around Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley this year to see if those guys can prove that they deserve to be part of the future. So that's number one. They're not moving on from these guys, not according to what these folks have told us eye-to-eye, face-to-face, and put it right out there in skywriting letters, okay? That's number one. Number two, interesting thought. Dane Brugler, who was one of the better NFL draft Knicks, and, you know, we've had this guy on our programs now for years. Very, very, very much respected. Interesting fact. Uh, Lance, he has Pickett as the top quarterback in this draft and only the 31st ranked player in this draft, which obviously 32 teams, 31, barely, barely grading out to be a first round pick. Now, you and I both know he's going to go before 31 because some team, as they always do, will salivate after a quarterback and insist on picking him higher. Brugler has him as the 31st-ranked player in the draft. Now, if you think there was screaming when the Giants picked Daniel Jones at 6, oh, my God, that's way too high. How much crap are you going to hear when Pickett gets picked as high as he gets picked? What do you think? 
Well, I mean, there's no doubt about it that there's going to be one team that's going to probably make an aggressive move to go after quarterback because I would say there's teams that are in far worse of a position than the Giants in no terms doubt. of they have no idea who their quarterback is next Somebody season. Somebody will do it. Yeah. So I would not be surprised at all. I don't get, though, too caught up, Paul, though, in where one analyst ranks a player because how many times have we also seen a guy goes much later in the first round and then he turns out to be really good value, too? Oh, no doubt. So, no, and I'm not saying that you were going there. That's why my response to the last caller was there's just the roll of the dice. If you say, hey, Pickett is our franchise guy and we're going to do everything we can to go after him, you still can't tell me you know for a fact that he's going to pan out. So you have just as much of an unknown, I would say, with Daniel Jones as you do with Pickett because you don't have a lot of concrete evidence to go by, especially with the rookie who has yet to play one game. That was my main point. I'm not saying, listen, if you love Pickett, you know my feeling. If there's conviction in the room, you love him, go after a guy. Okay, I have no problem. If you did your homework, you did your research, the scouts, everybody's in agreement, fine, go after him. I have no problem. But don't tell me that when you call up that you know with 100% certainty that this guy is going to be your solidified answer to be your franchise quarterback. You can't argue that at this point. You know, Lance, then just real quick, this is Schmelk. Hi, everybody. Uh, because this gives me a chance to plug our other podcast, but we were recording our episode of the number two episode of the draft season, which is our new podcast. Go check it out. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. And I asked Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker, who are two analysts on the show, of this quarterback class, which, if any, do you believe will finish their NFL career with at least 50 NFL starts? It's not a lot. That's three seasons. Both of them said zero. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it awfully says a lot about this quarterback class overall. And, you know, there's a reason why we were making comparisons to 2013 with this 2022 draft class because there's not really that one consensus guy that I think if you asked a lot of analysts that they feel great about. Now, that doesn't mean that one of them's not going to pan out. I want to make that crystal clear. But I just, I can't, put a lot of substance, Paul, behind an argument that's campaigning for one of these guys over Daniel Jones if there's that much uncertainty surrounding this class. That's what I'm arguing. It's it's not just common sense and logic that you're preaching, Lance. We're also telling you, just listen to what the owner, the head coach, and the general manager have said. Sure. They've told yeah. you they're going with Daniel Jones this well, year. Well, Paul, no, I agree with you. I was just, I'm responding to the last caller. That's what I was responding to. And I was just going down that hypothetical road. I'm not saying that there's any evidence at this point to say that the Giants have any interest in moving on from Daniel Jones. But if we were to go down that hypothetical road, then I want the hypothetical road to make sense. It's no different mm -hmm. than, right, if you have option A on your roster, you may feel great about option A. You should still plan accordingly for option B. But that doesn't mean that option B is your long-term answer. And it's just like, how many pipe dreams did we go through last offseason? It wasn't Giants. It was a lot of teams across the league. Aaron's going to be in our uniform. Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers that. was going who, to the Broncos, right? Correct. That was and a who, sure thing. What and happened? Paul, and who did Aaron Rodgers play the entire season for? This uh, past Green Bay. Okay. And Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, by the way, is still under contract with the Green Bay Packers. I know there's, again, speculation. But Aaron... The Packers don't have to do anything. They could basically say, Aaron's coming back. We'll work around the other numbers, period. End of discussion. We're still going to have the speculation. I know it's not going to be thrown out the window, but all of this stuff is pipe dreams. It's wishful thinking. There's no concrete evidence to go by. So it's no different. That's what I was responding to, the Russell Wilson speculation. Yeah. And, I mean, pretty much leave it at that at this point. Let's head back to the phone lines. Len is in Maryland. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi. Doing all right. What do you got for us? 
Chase is the man. It's so great to hear his voice. Man, he's been gone for a while. Uh, I heard I heard John click in. I was going to say, Paulie, make sure John John knows that Chase called, but obviously, obviously he Shakes, does. Shakes, you mean? You're hey. talking about Chase? Who's Chase? Chase. The, the guy who just called in. Yeah, that, that was Shakes. Shakes. Oh, Shakes from Baltimore. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes, right. Shakes yeah. is I was from like, Baltimore. I didn't know who you talked I was like, Jamar Chase called in? I didn't realize Jamar <laughs> Chase called in. Yeah. Chase would be Chase Blackburn, who was most recently <laughs> <was> in Carolina. <laughs> even better. Even better. One of the great plays in Giants history. How did, how, did, how did Blackburn get 50 yards down the field to intercept that pass? Unbelievable. Great stuff. Okay, hey, let me, let me get back to, to your um, original topic. Um, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up today because I've been looking forward to it to this kind of discussion. Um, I, I think Carter's going to take a two-year contract. So somebody, somebody's going to offer him two years. I'd like to see him back, and I'd like to give him the two years, you know, as long as it's, it's, it's fair. Well, you um, could give him a contract but, for a year with an option. You could structure it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I, well, we, I, think it's going to, I think it's going to take something like that. I, I don't think a one-year prove-it contract is going to do it with Carter. Somebody else is going to scoff him up. I tell you uh, what, though, Len, you still better have that conversation with Wink Martindale because if he doesn't yes. fit the scheme, then you've wasted your time. Okay, let's. Why don't we? Why don't we talk to Wink? I'm going to talk to Wink right now. You tell me what you think. <laughs> um, he well, he came gonna, from your neck in the know, woods, he, so if anybody's got a contact for him, it may be you. <laughs> he no, or or shakes because <laughs> he's in Baltimore. Yes, and he remembers all the good work that he did, but. Um, he he's going to look at film, and one of the first things he's going to he's going to come to the conclusion he he needs a nose tackle, and and it's not Austin Johnson playing fifty plays a game. And let me let me throw something out. This may cost a little money, and the guy is a little older, but one of my favorite players on the Ravens over the last ten years, and next year will be his tenth year, and he will be thirty one years old, is the nose tackle Brandon Williams. Wink Martindale, his contract is up, by the way. He's, he's going to be a free agent. I don't think the Ravens are going to go in that direction. I think they're going to move away from Brandon. But I'd like to see Brandon Williams here for one year. And I hope we can get him on a one-year contract. And I think Martindale would jump at that if he had the opportunity. Um, well, let's see. His last deal his last deal was... It was a five-year, $52 million deal. Woo. That yeah. was his last so deal. He, so yeah. he's, he's, he, he's already gotten one good payday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, this is, this will be the third contract. You know what? I like him as a player, Land. And you're oh, yeah. right. It's a Martindale fit. Uh, and yep. at age 33, yep. uh, you know, he's on the downside. He's not going to be able yep. to command a huge number. Right. Uh, he could be I, – I, I would concur with you that you might be able to get him at a reasonable rate, and I think there would be yeah. some value there. Yeah. Oh, definitely be a value. And you want to stop the run at Martindale. Listen – I know he talks about the back end and fast corners and all that kind of thing. What Martindale wants to do more than anything else is stop the run. Nobody will run on Wink. Nobody will run on Wink. And Brandon Williams has been the guy for the last eight years. Oh, he's a so good player, would, there's no would, doubt. Yeah, yeah, that would be my fit. And I think with a one year, and maybe we look at a guy like Jones from Connecticut, you know, the defensive lineman from Connecticut, you get out to the fourth round, uh, you know, I don't think fifth round. But that, maybe that's the future at nose tackle after Brendan Williams. Um, speed kills. Let me give you a couple of guys. I'd like to see Ross back on a one-year. 
I mean, geez, you know, you know the old adage, you can't teach speed. I, I just don't understand how Ross was used last year. And I, I'd like to see him one more year with the Giants and, and get him out on the field. If there's anything, we need speed at wide receiver. Well, he also oh, couldn't stay healthy, though, Len, and that's been his Achilles heel throughout yep. the course of his well, career. I mean, that's another true. reason why he wasn't on the true. field. Listen, I have true. no problem well, with bringing um, John Ross I, I back think, yeah, because I don't think it's going to cost you much, Len, but I think you yeah. need to take into consideration or be at least a little bit more realistic. And remember, I said this all offseason when everybody was cheering the signing. I said, show me John Ross can stay healthy and be durable during yeah. the course of a season. And yeah. he played yeah. 10 games. That means he wasn't well, on the field for well, seven games last season. Yeah, yeah. Now it 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 may very have been been that this coaching staff w- was tired of him, him and getting injured, and um, I I just think with that speed at wide receiver and he did make some plays when he played. I I get it, Lance. You're right. You're right. I mean there were a lot of injuries there. I'm not. I can't. I can't even argue. Land, with Land in now, concept, but. I don't have a problem with what you're saying, and I think Lance agrees because he is so fast, he is so elusive, and if you get him out in space, we know that there are things he can do, and I think we're excited about the potential of this offense under the schematics of Dayball and Kafka. I think we believe that he's the kind of guy who will fit in well with what they want to do. So in concept, yeah. I'm I'm on board with you. But like yeah. Lance said, the medics here, the training staff, is going to have to tell Shane, oh, yeah. look, oh, yeah. this is what we saw with him. This is right. what his injuries were. This is what we think his percentage of chance is to play X number of games. And if yeah. those reports don't come back well, then Shane's not going to resign him. Yeah. Let me, can I throw, let me throw out a couple of other names. I like the defensive back, and I'm going to call him a defensive back, although he was used exclusively on special teams. I like Crossan. Crossan can run. I'd love to see Ross and Crossan in a 50-yard dash and see who comes out on top. Crossan can fly. He's a good special teams player, but you know what? I think if you get him out on the field, he can make some plays for us as a defensive back. I'm not talking about a starter. I'm talking about the fourth guy, boundary corner, um, but I'd like to see I'd like to see Crossan back. You got to bring back the long snapper Kreider, and and I'm convinced Hernandez. I I don't want him back, guys. But Hernandez is going to start in the NFL next year. He's going to be a starter somewhere. Hey, thanks for taking my Island. call. Appreciate, I appreciate the phone it. call. Yep, appreciate you weighing in. In terms of the point about Crossan. Keep in mind, Thomas McGahee is back as the special teams coordinator. So if anybody wants to throw in his two cents about at least special teams value, you know he spoke very highly of Crossan. Yeah. And if you're going to beat Paul a main special teamer, it goes without saying you're going to be the fourth or fifth option in terms of the defensive back rotation because you have to. They're not just going to bring you back so you can play a few special team snaps. So, I mean, that would be his role just based on default. But I look at more of with the Giants, if you're bringing back Crossan, the first priority is you like him as a special teams guy, and that's where McGahee comes into play. I would agree with that, and this is another player now. If you bring him back, though, he's got to come back on an economically friendly deal, and I, I suspect that you probably could get him sure. at the right price. Um, the, the one thing, though, that I think is important to, uh, to, to mention to Lynn, and, I, and I, I, appreciate, I appreciate what he's saying because we're thinking about this philosophically in terms of what we think these guys can do. 
But it still comes down to how do Shane and Dable want to build this team? Do they want more speed on specials and more speed on offense and more speed on defense? Look, everybody does. They all they always say that. But it's it's not until you see their schematics and what they're actually going to do with the players that you know how much because everything everything that you do in negotiations for a contract when you say this is the number we're going to offer this player well that number is based on what you think the production's going to be in the scheme that you're going to use so not only is it important to find is the guy fitting our scheme but then you have to say what is his production value within that scheme because now the second question is how high can we go in terms of price to make a deal work? So it, it, it's, it gets very sticky. And all it takes is one other team of the other 31 to come up with a number that that player likes, and he's out the door. Well, just quickly getting back to the whole John Ross conversation, and I think you were hinting at this, Paul. Could Dable utilize John Ross's skill set within a scheme? Absolutely. I would think so. I 100%. really would. I would not disagree with you there. But – I still go back to I value durability, and I value that maybe more so than even the skill set because what is the purpose of saying I got this guy on the roster on paper if I can't utilize him in a game? Oh, you're so, right. I mean, you're that's right. what I'm getting caught up in. You can tell me all you want about Ross's speed. If all you're going to tell me is going to play nine or ten games, I'd rather take a flyer on a draft pick that may have a little bit more hey, speed. Hey, well, I'm going to tell you something, Lance, and, and this is true. I know many people won't believe this, but – I was told many years ago by scouts, and it still holds true today, you can actually find more make-it undrafted rookie free agents at wide receiver than any other position in the NFL because there are literally thousands of them out there who are coming out of school every year. I mean, that's, that's a position that, you know what? You can find a Victor Cruz. It happens, okay? It happens. So it's, it, there will be undrafted rookie free agent receivers this year who, at the end of April, they've got 4-3 speed, and for whatever reason, they weren't drafted. So if you just want to keep Ross because you think he's fast, you'll be able to find a fast guy of course. who will come in younger, healthier, and cheaper than John Ross, if that's your only requirement. Let's head back to the phone line. Scott is in Grand Rapids joining us here. What's happening, Scott? Hey, not too much, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, called in last week, did a little uh, PFF mock draft with, with Paul and uh, Jeff. I know Jeff loves that thing. So I uh, wanted to talk, first off, huge relief. I was, I was so nervous when we got rid of Patrick Roll, not got rid of, excuse me, when he took another job with the Raiders, uh, filling that hole in someone that was comfortable. Because our defense, I mean, it, it, from my perspective, wasn't the issue, right? You know, the offense was our, our huge concern. So. But to find out we land the guy from the Ravens has been there, what, 10 years, and they've always been competitive, uh, the high-ranked defense. I mean, that was that was gold to me. It was kind of a trade-up, in my opinion. Do you guys feel like we got good value there? What are your take on that before I go into a little mock draft fun with you? Well, in terms of value, listen, the coaching salaries have nothing to do with the salary cap, Scott. So you can, <laughs> if no, you have no, a lot no, of money I mean, to spend, hey, more power to no, you. No, I mean, it really, it's I irrelevant. I contract. I'm saying value as far as, like, who's on the market, who's willing to take a move, who did you want? Do you think he was a, a 
key component as far as people that were available that you would have put into that role. Martindale, Martindale had the best resume of any of the available free agent defensive coordinators who are out there. No, so, I put Fangio up there. Maybe I think he was right there. Yeah. Uh, Fangio ahead of him? I, yeah, to I, me, I, it was 1-1-A. One one I well, would have put Fangio number two. Well, well, here's why. The reason I would argue Fangio, Paul, is because Martindale, the caller, Scott, you were referencing that he's been there for over a decade. He has, but he wasn't the defensive coordinator for that entire tenure. That he is was true. The linebackers that is true. He was the D.C. from 18 on. Fangio has been a defensive coordinator for you know well over a decade at various stints. So that's why, in terms of resume, you're talking about a more experienced experienced defensive coordinator in Fangio. And to be honest with you, it kind of depends on the flavor you prefer because both of those guys have different flavors as to how they scheme their defense. Yeah. Both guys have been very successful. Both guys have been around the NFL for a long time. So it's like, do you prefer the more aggressive style? Or even though Fangio, who was aggressive years ago, has been a much more bend but don't break in recent years. So which style did you prefer? The bottom line is, those two guys, let's put the line after those two guys. Because that's, that's really where the line of differentiation was. If you were going to really need somebody, one of those two guys had to be your first phone call. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I just wanted to get your take on it, if you think they were the two highest-rated people or if he was in that conversation or, you know, just like Joe Judge. We kind of reached on that, right? And, you know, his press conference sold everybody, and we're like, okay, let's give this guy a shot. I wanted to see, like, off your your take, like, is this guy bona fide coming in the door or are we reaching for this? No, I mean, this is a guy that's coached in the league for many years, well-experienced. So, I mean, he certainly was up there as one of the most attractive candidates. I think we can at least all agree on that. Awesome, awesome. So just real quick, little mock draft fun that I've been doing. I run this this dang PFF simulator. I know it's stupid, guys, and I know it's not. You know, well, it's at least you happen. said it, I, so you saved me from saying it. Okay, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Okay, I know, yes. But I, I, I think we can agree we need a lot of value in this draft. We need as many picks. We need as many shots at, at the ball. Uh, Paul, you might disagree, but also I think this one might make you happy. So I, I'll save you the, the, the trade headaches because it gets confusing. But I traded back pretty much from 5 to 7, 7 to 8, 9 to 11, all the way down. My first pick was 10 overall with Akeem Akawana, which I know, Paul, you, that's, that's your guy anyways, that you would take at 5. So getting him at 10 being the last tackle off the board, uh, the other two guys were gone by the time I traded back. But I secured him. You're dreaming. 14. He's never making it to 10. Never. Would you be mad, Paul, to say if I traded three times, picked up three additional second rounds, and took any one of those top three tackles, would you be mad at the value you got? Three second rounders, pretty much, and one of those top three guys, uh, no matter who fell, would you take it? I'd have to actually see it on paper in front of me because I'm having a hard time getting a grip on I know. it. I just know that, yeah, that Iquanu, Iquanu, to me, is not getting to 10. I'd be shocked if he does. And. Do yeah. you really think the Giants are going to trade three times down, Scott? I mean, come on. Well, I was. What's what's your opinion, Lance? Because I I know well, Paul. You too. Go ahead, chime in. But I've traded back like two slots. Right? It's not like I'm trading a vast amount, and seem almost every time to pick up a second rounder for that value of moving two to three places. So I'm not like trading crazy and then trade back up and then trade down, like doing all this all over the board stuff. But just sliding back a couple spots. Did it three times, and I picked up three additional uh, second rounders. Is that crazy value? Is that is that unrealistic to, to think a team that wants to jump up three spots to give you a second rounder for it? I think it's a bit crazy. I just I don't see them doing that high volume of trades, number one, from the Giants' perspective. And yeah. I, my philosophy is if you love a guy, if you're at seven 
and you love a guy, why risk that you may not be able to get him in the next two picks? Just take him right there. I mean, at the end of the day, is an extra second rounder going to make or break your team? Just take the guy. I mean, that's how I would say yeah, it. Yeah, I, I hear that argument. I, I was looking at the board and the way it fell that, you know, all three tackles were available at five. So, in my mind, they, they, I mean, we're splitting hairs on the, kind of what you say, Paul. Pick your poison. Who do you like best? All three are performers. So, I was willing to trade back and kind of watch the board and say, okay, there's still two left. Okay, I could trade one more time. There's still one guy left. Now i got to make my move. But let me just give you a, a brief just synopsis. So I got him at 10, got Tyler Lindebaum at 14, uh, Georgia defensive interior Devontae Wyatt at 37, guard Zion Johnson at 38, and then I was able to get at 44 one of the trades, Kenneth Walker, the third halfback, and then at 69, Jeremy Rucker. So, I mean, those picks in that position, would you not be happy with a, the best center, one of the best tackles, one of the best guards, and and a surefire tight end? Yeah, the, I was, go, I was just going to say, you know, that's a, that's a solid hole. I'm not going to tell you it's yeah. not. It's a solid hole. But to, to make that happen, A, I don't think you could, and B, I don't think those players are going to be there when you're yeah. making those picks. And I completely yeah, agree with Paul. I was wondering how, how yeah. fake this is. All right. Well, hey, thank, thanks for the time, guys. I'll call you next week. Appreciate the show. All right, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for weighing in. That's why I'm just not a big fan of mock drafts and computer simulations in general because I just don't think they're very realistic. Let's go to Abby and Nutley. Abby, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hey, how you doing, Lance? How you doing, Paul? Hi. How you doing, everybody over there? Uh, quick question. Uh, not a question, sorry. I got a point. Um, is it uh you know, everybody's talking about, you know, the quarterback position, obviously, and, you know, Daniel Jones is going into, you know, a crucial year. Everybody knows that. Um, but I just, like, sick and tired of people just talking about trading for a quarterback. It's like, right now I think the Giants are in a position that is a win-win situation with Daniel Jones, believe it or not, because either Daniel Jones improves and they got something with him, or if he doesn't improve, then they'll probably be in the top ten next year. And if by any chance this year – Shane makes some type of trades and ends up with another extra one for next year. So the Giants, you know, will have that capital to move up for a quarterback if they do deem necessary. But my thing is this. Some fans that actually call up radio shows and everything talking about um, trading everything or whatever they need to trade for Wilson or Watson or whatever are the same type of people that they're complaining why we drafted Barkley instead of drafting Hernandez. I mean, Nelson. You know what I'm saying? It's like once we have, like this year, we have the capital to go and solidify the offensive line or at least most of it and, you know, fill most of the areas in the roster, they want people to just, they just want people to just trade for another quarterback no matter what it costs. I'm like, are you serious? Like, well, Abby, I mean, what, what you're getting at is that fairy tale angle that we were talking about earlier. And listen, yeah, we got to let you go because we're up against the clock here. So certainly appreciate it. And, I mean, we got into this conversation earlier, so I really don't know if there's much purpose in repeating our sentiments. I mean, we made it clear how the Giants feel about Daniel Jones and what is realistic versus what is just once again reaching. And I think it'd be reaching right now to think that the Giants are going to make a huge splash for a quarterback as opposed to maybe bringing in a veteran to compete with Daniel Jones. That's more reasonable, but not necessarily one of these marquee guys. And that is going to wrap things up for us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder, today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll be back up and running again on Thursday at noon Eastern. Have a good one.